Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge Community Church's online service. I am Pastor John, the senior pastor of Stonebridge. And we are glad that you have tuned in with us in worship through our online service, whether that's through YouTube or through the podcast. We are grateful that you're worshiping with us. This week, I'll be concluding our sermon series entitled Summer Light. We've been looking at random topics here and there. We'll be looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan today. Next week, we'll be looking at Moses and beginning our sermon series entitled The Moses Legacy. But for this week, I am grateful that you have tuned in with us. I do want to extend an invitation to our in-person services. If you feel comfortable and if you are ready, we have a Saturday evening service that is at 530 and it is outdoors. We know that outdoors is safer with COVID-19. So we provide an outdoor service for those who aren't comfortable going indoors. And if you are fully vaccinated, masks are optional at the outdoor service. So come and join us there. If you are comfortable going indoors, on Sunday morning, we have a 1030 service that is indoors. And given the Ventura County mask mandate, we are requesting that people wear masks when we're indoors to that service because we don't want to let this virus spread anymore. We want this virus to be gone and this pandemic to be over. So if you want to come indoors, please bring your mask and join us for worship. But now as we prepare for our worship service, let us recognize that God connects us. Wherever we are, God connects us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever you're watching this, you are connected to us. The way this service goes is we will have some announcements. We will have some music at the end of the service and we'll have the word of God preached and we'll have the scriptures read. So thank you for joining us. God bless you. And may the word of God shape you in your life. Welcome to Stonebridge. Starting next weekend, Stonebridge will be launching a new fall series called The Moses Legacy. The Moses Legacy will insightfully journey through the essential parts of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. Whether in person or by Zoom, plan on joining a growth group to deepen your experience and participation of this message series. You can find a list of groups and sign up by visiting the Stonebridge website. A few weeks ago, we launched a special five-week podcast series called Stonebridge Essentials. This past week, Pastor John talked about the Nicene Creed and how it gives us language to talk about the witness of God. This coming Tuesday will be our final episode where Pastor John wraps it all up with a discussion on two models of the Trinity. Episodes are available within the Stonebridge podcast. Stonebridge has a job opening for a full-time youth and family ministries director. If you or someone you know would be interested in this position, please contact the church office. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you are following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. And once again, welcome to worship. We will be concluding our sermon series entitled Summer Light by looking at the Gospel of Luke this week. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And in this passage, we have the parable of the Good Samaritan, one of Jesus' most famous parables. So hear now the word of God through the Gospel of Luke. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, 
What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three, do you think, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and I invite you to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, speak to us now through your scriptures. Through the Gospel of Luke, help us to understand who our neighbor is. Help us to understand what love looks like. And help us, Lord, to understand how we should respond to you. Help us to understand how we can take these shocking words that you proclaimed all those years ago and respond as your disciples in this world. Teach us now through your scriptures. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're all familiar with the phrase, Good Samaritan. A good Samaritan is an exemplary person, someone who goes above and beyond to help somebody else. That phrase is very common. And this parable from which that phrase comes is famous. Now, many of us may not have known the actual details of the parable, but we know that phrase, Good Samaritan. That fame, though, and I think the fact that this is a parable, sometimes we can start to think that this parable is just a story. We can start to think that it's a great story and that it's one that focuses on us trying to be exemplary ourselves. That fame that leads us to those kinds of conclusions or that impression, that's unfortunate. Because in reality, Jesus' words in this parable, they're not just a good story. They are utterly shocking. And this is so much more than just a good story, what we read here. You see, the Good Samaritan, the parable, it comes out of a specific context. Jesus is having a conversation with a lawyer. Oftentimes, that introduction to the parable, it gets left out. It gets chopped off the beginning. But to understand 
the importance of Jesus' words, we have to recognize that this is coming from a conversation with a lawyer about biblical law. Now, lawyers in Jesus' day, they were different. It wasn't exactly what we think of now. Lawyers were people who reflected on the biblical law and who tried to help interpret the biblical law. When I say biblical law, what I'm referring to is the first five books of the Bible primarily. Those five books. Biblical law gets a bad rap oftentimes. Many of us raised in Protestant traditions, we think of those do this and do that and all those sections of biblical law um, as negative, as a constraint, something that's supposed to hold us down. Or we think that law and, and grace are opposed to each other. So we just kind of set the law aside. That's some of us. Most of us, though, I think, just look at biblical law and think, good grief is this boring. I mean, you've got some great stories in Genesis. Exodus keeps the stories going about halfway through, and then it starts to slow down a little bit. You start to get more build this with this type of wood, and then build this with this type of wood. God's giving Israel all of these instructions. And then you get to Leviticus. And at that point, most of us are done. It's been said that many a journey through the Bible has run afoul on the shores of Leviticus. People who say, I'm going to read the Bible from, from beginning to end. They get to Leviticus and they're like, eh, I'm okay. Get me to King David as fast as you can. And they jump ahead to Judges or Samuel. That's, I think, how most of us view biblical law. Something that's boring and we don't pay much attention to it, but when we do, we just think of it as negative. But that is so incredibly different than the way Jesus' followers and people in Jesus' day, when he would have been having this conversation with this lawyer, had such a different way of viewing the law than what, how they would view the law. To Jesus' followers, the law wasn't this negative thing. And the law wasn't viewed as the opposite of God's grace. The law was the expression of God's grace. Because the law let the people of God know how they were going to be able to live with God present with them. That's the crux of the law. That's the focus of the law, is retaining God's presence so that God can live with God's people. So for them... The law, it wasn't just this negative thing that inhibited God's grace. The law was something that they upheld. In fact, the law was so central to their way of life that it's hard for us to really understand it. The law would have been there in the background. I think the best analogy that I can draw here is to the United States Constitution. While many of us know certain values that we believe the Constitution proclaims, very few of us actually know the words of the Constitution. Very few Americans who claim the Constitution as an authority can tell you in any sort of significant detail what the words actually say. But it still affects their lives. It still is the background in which we all live. And we have layers and layers of laws based on the Constitution. 
Not only that, but we have layers and layers of stories attached to the Constitution. Some of those stories are accurate. Some of those stories are more myth than anything else. And we have all sorts of debates about which stories are accurate, which aren't, about what interpretation of the Constitution is correct. We have different groups that adhere to different uh, interpretations of the Constitution, and, and they argue and they debate. That's how biblical law functioned in Jesus' day. There were different groups who interpreted it differently. And they would debate with one another, and they would live lives differently than one another. And then on top of that, in the same way that we have the Supreme Court, which ultimately interprets the Constitution for us, and, and the federal courts as well, and the court system that interprets it for us, there were interpreters of the biblical law that carried weight. And in the same way, the Supreme Court decisions and their interpretations get treated as law in practice, these teachers of biblical law, their interpretations would be treated as law in practice also. So in this passage, Jesus is presenting himself as such an interpreter of the law. He is taking these, these rules and he's accepting the summary of the rules that God has given from this lawyer as the way to achieve eternal life. For many of us Protestants who want to set the law aside, we have to wrestle with the fact that Jesus ties the summary of the law to inheriting eternal life. Now, I don't think Jesus is teaching works-based righteousness or, or anything like that. I think Jesus is just highlighting the law is still important. And Jesus is presenting himself as the authoritative interpreter of the law here. So we have to understand all of that to really grasp just how shocking this parable is. The lawyer says to Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? They have this discussion about law and the summary of the law. And then the lawyer tries to give him this trick question of who is my neighbor? says that he's trying to justify himself. I don't know exactly what Luke means there, but you know that he has an agenda. So then Jesus responds with the parable, with the story. But when he responds with the story, it's not just a story. Jesus, as I just said, is the interpreter of the law. So his story that he's about to tell us is basically the law for our lives. This is God's will, God's hope, God's intention for our lives. And if we want to be in line with God's will, we do the best we can to do what Jesus is about to say. So what does Jesus then say? And keep in mind, if you're standing there that day, you are law abiding. You think the law is a positive thing. You think the law is the expression of God's will. And now Jesus is presenting himself as the interpreter of the law. You are on the edge of your seat waiting to hear what is this teacher going to tell me? So what does Jesus say? He says that a man was beaten, left half dead, and that a priest and a Levite walk right by. In Jesus' day, the, the priest and the Levite, they were the carriers of the law. They were the ones who were supposed to know the law, to understand the law. 
and they walk right by. They're the ones who miss the importance of the law. And instead of that, a Samaritan gets it. A Samaritan takes the man up, puts him on his animal, brings him to an inn, and cares for him. This is shocking. It may not seem as shocking to us because we're so used to the phrase Good Samaritan, but in Jesus' day with Jesus' people, the Samaritans were the enemies. They were some of the worst enemies. The Samaritans came from from people. They were descendants of people who had rebelled against Jesus' people, against Jesus' nation, the nation that he was a part of. The Samaritans, their ancestors had rebelled. They were all inheritors of a civil war. And the Samaritans, they were viewed by Jesus' people as as not just Gentiles or people who ignored the law. It was even worse than that. The Samaritans were people who distorted God's law. They were people who manipulated God's law. You were supposed to avoid Samaritans. But Jesus is now making this statement that the Samaritan is the one who understands the law better than than anyone else. It was a Samaritan who understood how the law was actually supposed to be lived out in life and in practice. This would have drawn gasps from people in Jesus' day. This is utterly shocking. To put it in today's world, think of the people where You listen to their political views or their political stances, and they are so wrong that you can't even listen anymore, that you have blocked them on social media, you have condemned them as being unchristian or anti-Christian, and all of a sudden Jesus is telling you, it's somebody from that group of people, from your opponents that actually understands what God wants for human life. This is a tough teaching. This is a challenging teaching. And all of us should feel a little uncomfortable at this. But according to Jesus, that's the answer to who is my neighbor. It's not the people that you like. It's not the people who are on your team or in your tribe. It's not the people who agree with you, but it's the people who understand that God calls us to mercy, that God draws mercy out of each and every one of us. Jesus tells us that is your neighbor. Regardless of if you've classified them as an enemy, if they display God's mercy, that is your neighbor. And that is whom you are to love. Whatever title you put on them, whatever category, however you label them, it doesn't matter if they display mercy. That's whom we are to love. This is shocking. And like I said, it should challenge us. It should make us all a little uncomfortable because the original hearers of this parable they would have been uncomfortable with this teaching. But that's Jesus. Jesus cares less about our comfort than he does 
about us being in line with God's will. And when Jesus is giving this story, it's his interpretation of God's will as expressed through the law. So this is not a negotiable teaching that Jesus is giving us here. It's not just a story. And more than that, the good Samaritan is not meant to be lifted up above everyone else. The good Samaritan is not exemplary. The good Samaritan is supposed to be the bare minimum. This is supposed to be what all of us are doing as Jesus' followers. It's meant for each of us to go and do likewise as Jesus tells the lawyer to do. This teaching that Jesus gives us, it is challenging, but it is also refreshing. We're living in a time where we all have a lot of enemies. We all have a lot of ideological opponents, a lot of political opponents. Lines have been drawn between all of us. And in the midst of that, in the midst of those drawing of those lines, we've forgotten that according to Jesus, love your neighbor is a core part of the summary of God's will for all of our lives. And that our neighbor doesn't, doesn't just include the people who agree with us, doesn't just include our group or our tribe. It includes those who exemplify God's character and show mercy to others. We are to be defined by the mercy we show, not by the people we belong to or the tribe that we belong to. That is Jesus' restatement of God's law. When we embrace this, when we become more in line with God's will, that is where true freedom is found. When we take Jesus' instructions to love our neighbors and we accept Jesus' definition of who your neighbor is, that is where true freedom is found. Biblical freedom isn't found in just being independent, but it's found in being dependent and subservient to God and to God's will. And that is where we find freedom. That is where we find life. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is a teaching that models God's will for our lives, and that is where life is truly found. So it may feel uncomfortable at first, but the more we go and do likewise as Jesus commands the lawyer to do, the more freedom that we find, the more in line with God's will that we are. And the easier it is for us to see the work of the Holy Spirit in surprising places and places we wouldn't expect. So Jesus stands there, presents himself as an interpreter of the law, and gives this utterly shocking parable. May we respond by going and doing likewise as Jesus commands us. May we love the Lord our God with our strength with our mind, with our heart, with our soul. And may we love our neighbor as ourself. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
your sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. No, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down your burden Lay down your shame All who are broken Lift up your face Oh wanderer, come home You're not too far Lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who stray. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary And rest that endures Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't cure Lay down your burden Lay down your shame Know who are broken Lift up
friends, may you go from here loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your life. And may you go loving your neighbor as yourself. May you go and do likewise as Jesus calls us to. And may you go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.